So if you don't follow me on social media, this will be news to you. But uh, the last week and a half, and I say week and a half, it really has felt like that. It's felt like a month, but it's really only been eight days that my wife and kids were out of town without me. That's right, they left me for eight days. Um, for them, it was like, man, that was great. We had an awesome time, and I'm counting down the minutes to when they get back. Now, they went up to visit her side of the family, and they got to spend some great grandparent time for both sides of the family. They really had a great trip up to Indiana and back. Becky is a champ, so when you see her, give her a big high five for taking three kids all the way up, like a 10-hour drive, and then all the way back. I had to work. I was like, 10-hour drive all the way up and back? No. So they had a great time, but... You know this, if, if you're used to being with a lot of people and then you don't have a lot of people, it just, your entire environment changes. And man, I rely on Becky a ton, probably even more than I recognized. And it's been a couple years since they've done that trip. And so here I am like week, week one, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And so I started going through all of my honey to-do list things and I polished the floors, I cleaned out the garage. It didn't even look like our house by the time that they got back. And it took one day with my kids back for it to look like it used to again. That's all right. But then I had a dilemma. I was like, well, I have to eat and my family's gone. What am I going to do? And so I had been working late, gotten a bunch of things done, you know, running my errands. And it was about 7.30 at night, which is about four hours past my normal eating time in the evening. Do the math, you'll it'll add up here in a little bit. And so it's about 7.30. I'm like, I need to eat. I don't have anything at home. I've got to go to the grocery store and at least get something for dinner and for the rest of the week. So I go to Kroger and I get one of those little shopping carts. It's just me. It's not the rest of the family. So I don't need a ton but if you've ever gone grocery shopping by yourself and when you're hungry, it ends up a little bit different. So I want to show you, I, I, I got convicted halfway through my shot. And this is only a picture of halfway through. I'm, I'm embarrassed to show you the full picture. So I'm just going to give you the halfway through shopping picture. And I sent it to Becky saying, you need to come home sooner than you think. So here's what my shopping cart looked like. <laughs> halfway through, I got ribs because I'm like, I never cook ribs. I'm going to cook ribs. Two, they were on sale, so don't judge me on the ice cream. They were two for five, okay? So you have to get two. Pizza rolls, because who can't make it a week when their family's gone without pizza rolls? And breakfast is a crucial meal. And I'm thinking, what am I going to eat for breakfast? Well, Krispy Kreme, of course. And so that's just the beginning of my shopping trip. I'll tell you, it got worse as I kept going through the aisles for those two reasons. I was hungry, and I was by myself. And as you're pushing that shopping cart, which I've lived in the South long enough, some of you call them buggies. It's incorrect. It's a shopping cart. My goal is to change your thinking, not just in regards to Jesus, but in regards to what you call those things. They're shopping carts. If I hear buggy one more time, so help me. So as I'm pushing my shopping cart around, you know what that feels like. There's this tension. There's this inner battle of, I really shouldn't. Oh, but I just want to. I really shouldn't. What would people think if they ever saw this? But I really want to. There's that inner battle, isn't there? And no one's here to tell me differently. I don't have my wife speaking truth and logic and reason into me. I don't have anybody else saying, Brian, that's not a healthy choice. It's just me and my hunger by myself in Kroger at 730 with so many wonderful aisles to choose from. <laughs> and you feel that tension, don't you? I want but I should, oh, but I want. And in life, we constantly are battling that inner tension, that inner battle of our desires and what we want, 
Oh, but maybe what we should. Oh, but I have these desires and I want, but oh, what would, what would God think? What would be the healthy thing? What would be the right thing? We're in a series, My Life, My Response. We cannot go through this series without talking about that battle, that tension that we call temptation. How do I battle that tension? James 1 speaks to it like this. You don't have to turn there. We're not going to land here. But I want you to see how he talks about this tension. And he is very blunt. You don't have to guess. James 1 verse 12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Now let me make a point here. It says God blesses those who. It is not God only loves those who. That's a big distinction. Don't mishear what James is saying here. It's not God only loves those that make it through temptation. No, it's just there is a reward at the end of that. There is a better life for those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Testing and temptation are different. We're going to talk about it. Afterward, they, those who patiently endure testing and temptation, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13. Now look at how he goes a little further. He explains. Here's what happens when you don't patiently make it through temptation. And remember... When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own, and say that word with me, our own desires. That's where it lands. Temptation comes from our own desires, that inner battle, which entice us and drag us away. Then these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So he doesn't just push it off the side. Well, yeah, you know, there's things you should and shouldn't do. He says, no, those temptations, they come from your inner what? Your own desires. And if you give in to those desires, you see this progression that leads to death. The progression that goes to, well, when you give in to it, it entices us. It wouldn't be a temptation if it wasn't desirable, would it? It wouldn't be a temptation if it didn't entice you in some way. That pull, that draw, those temptations, those desires, it entices us. And I love that phrase, it drags us away. If our, if our goal is to be closer to Jesus as followers of him, as Christians, the temptations are trying to drag us away in any way possible, away from him, entices us, drags us away. They give birth to sinful actions. And as that grows, it doesn't happen overnight necessarily. It eventually gives birth to death. Talk about our responses having consequences. How we respond to that inner tension, how we respond to our own desires, how we respond to temptation will either drag us away, as James tells us, to a place that eventually leads to death, or is there another option? Is there another way to respond that takes us closer to a place of life? Now, let me give the disclaimer. We'll never do this perfectly. The goal here is not to be perfect but the goal is, that first part of verse 12, patiently endure testing and temptation. Let me help you understand a couple things on temptation. Because anytime we talk about this, the, the air just gets sucked out of the room. And people are like, oh, I shouldn't have come this Sunday. <laughs> Can we talk about something nice and fun? Let me help you understand temptation. Because we all have different views or you've been taught different things about temptation. Here's what you need to know about temptation. First of all, and James separates these, testing and temptation are different those are very, very different. Testing has to do with the difficulties of life, the trials of life. Keep reading through James 1 and you see part of that come to play. 
The temptation is our own desires. He uses that word over and over again, the inner desires, our own desires that again entice us and then drag us away. Temptation is not a sin. Sometimes we feel all guilty and ashamed, like, oh, I'm tempted to do this or say this or be like this. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. Go back to the progression that James talks through. You have your inner desires, your own desires, and they are enticing. And if you give in to them, then they, they drag you away. And then it builds into what? It grows into those sinful actions, which then grows into. So there's a progression with it. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It leads to sin, but it is not a sin. So when you're tempted, it's not, oh, I should feel bad. Everybody is tempted. I'm tempted. You're tempted. If you call yourself a believer or not, you are tempted. Sometimes as Christians, we get baptized. We're going to be celebrating baptisms at the end of July. We feel like, I'm baptized. Why am I still tempted to do bad things? (laughs) Because you're human. Being a Christian, following Jesus, doesn't magically make those temptations go away. Now, you're still tempted, and I would even say you've got a target painted on your back. Get ready, buckle down, because the devil's going to come even twice as hard at you. So those temptations are still there. As a follower of Jesus, we have the tools that we're going to read about this morning that are going to help us endure it, like James says. So yeah, the temptations don't go away. You learn how to recognize them. You learn how to endure them. You learn how to fight against them. And thank God for grace, because we hold on to that when we don't do so well. So understand the realities and the truths behind temptation. I'm going to ask you to do something pretty uncomfortable. You don't have to say these out loud. You do not have to write these down. You don't have to make any facial expressions whatsoever. But I want you to begin to think about maybe your top two temptations. Because we're all tempted in different ways. Right? The devil is smart. Let me say it again. The devil is smart. He is going to tempt you in a way that is more enticing to you than it is to me. He's going to look at me and say, okay, what is enticing to me? That may not be as enticing to you. So we're all tempted in different ways at different times in different seasons of our lives. So right here, right now, you walked in this morning. What are those top two temptations that are, and those are your weak spots right now. Maybe it's one of the overs. You have the overeating, the overspending, the overcriticizing. Anything that begins with over is probably a temptation in some form or fashion. You have the addictions on all scales, substances, alcohol, sugar, Go on and on through addictions, lust, pornography. We have our emotions and how we deal with people, the temptations to be critical, to criticize, to be negative, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to have so much pride that we ignore everything and everyone else around us. We have so much laziness that we don't care about anything or anyone else around us. Where are your top one or two temptations today? Think through that because I want you to be able to identify it so that this becomes very applicable. This morning, I hope, isn't just here's what temptation is, but it's here's how we, what James said, here's how we endure it. Here's how we fight through it. Here's how we walk through those temptations. But you've got to have those in your head. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be guilty of it because we've all got our two, at least two that we're aware of. And those will constantly change as what is enticing to us begins to change as well. So I'm hoping today is super helpful, super practical, but it's got to be applicable in your own life. So you got to take this and say, all right, how does that look? How does that work with where I'm at and what I am being tempted with currently in my life? If you've got your Bible, head to Matthew chapter 4. When talking temptation, one of the best stories to look at is when Jesus himself was tempted by the devil. We're going to go through this story, and you could think of this story in almost three categories. 
you're taking notes, you might even draw like a couple lines in there and have three columns where it would be, well, how are we tempted? Those desires that entice us, how exactly are we tempted? What do we do in the midst of being tempted? How do we endure it? How do we fight through it? But again, don't forget that last part because we're not gonna do this perfectly. What do we do when we strike out? What do we do when we do give in? What do we do when we're not enduring temptation very well? We wanna look at those three categories all out of Matthew 4. Here's the first part. Chapter four out of Matthew, starting in verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Remember what James said? It's not God that does the tempting, it's, it's our own desires and then the devil dangles them in front of us. Verse two, after fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So Jesus should not go to Kroger at 7.30 like I did. Wouldn't end up well, would it? He's fasting 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. So the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Pause there just for a second. I want you to notice something. You're gonna see some repetition. Ifs and it's. Ifs and it's. The devil, called the tempter here, is gonna say a lot of if statements. If you're the son of God, or if this, Jesus, if this. And Jesus' response usually begins with it. The devil begins with if, and Jesus begins with it. It is written. So for every if that the devil gives, the every if that temptation brings, Jesus brings it, meaning the truth, and begins to poke holes in the temptation that the devil is bringing. The devil starts with the first one of weakness. He says, you're hungry, I'm gonna start there. You must be hungry, so if you're the son of God, we'll get you something to eat. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way this works. He says, here's the reality. Verse five, the devil was defeated on that one, but he's not done yet. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If, there it is again, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now, this is interesting. The devil's gonna start quoting scripture to Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here the devil is saying, prove it. You say you're the son of God. You say that's who you are, but prove it. Let me see some actions behind that, not just words. Let me see it. Prove it. And Jesus comes back and says, I have nothing to prove to you. Verse 8, not willing to be defeated yet, he has another shot at Jesus. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Talked about those three categories. How are we tempted? What do we do when we're tempted? And what happens when we give in to temptation? Let's talk about that first part for a second. Based on those three temptations. Now this is 40 days, 40 nights of Jesus out in the wilderness. I have no doubt there's other temptations that would have happened to Jesus throughout his 40 days. We have three of them recorded here. But those three really do encompass all the different schemes and strategies the devil uses against us. They all come down to what was that word James used? Our own desires. It all comes back to our own desires. That first temptation, the devil recognized, Jesus, you're weak, you're hungry, you have a desire to have something to eat. So that's where he leaned in on, isn't it? The desire to just have something, the desire to not be weak anymore. 
And we could go around the room, and we're all pretty aware of our weaknesses, where we wish we could compensate more and have more strength. And that's a lot of times where the devil dangles those desires in front of us. Oh, if you do this, you won't be as weak anymore. If you do this, you won't be seen as weak anymore. So he leans in there. That second part, it says prove it. Remember the double dog dare growing up? Oh, man, elementary, was, elementary school was great. Man, I double dog dare. You, you could say anything. It's like, I dare you to do a double flip off the monkey bars. Nah, that's a bad idea. I double dog dare you, done. That's all it takes. It doesn't matter how bad of an idea it was. If you add I double dog dare you to the front of it, all of a sudden it's acceptable to, to go and give in, isn't it? That's almost what the devil's doing here. Leaning in, remember, Jesus, fully God, fully human. So the devil's leaning into his fully human side, saying, you say you're this, but prove it. Let me see it. And he's leaning into our human desire to please other people. To please other people. How many times are we tempted to just please other people? I know this isn't the right thing, but this is what they want me to do. I know I really shouldn't, but I really want to be accepted. We lie, we cheat, we steal. Why? To uphold this facade that we like to hang on to. We do things so that we are accepted. We overspend so that people don't know that we really don't have any money. Most of those overs have to do with this people-pleasing temptation. If you find yourself overdoing anything, I would say go back and are you trying to just please other people? The devil leans into that desire to please other people. That last part, if you go back and read it, says that the devil took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said, I'll give all of this to you. But here's what you have to do for me. What's interesting is Jesus is called King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So technically, isn't that already his? Here's what the devil's doing. The devil's saying, yeah, I'll give you all of this. And I'm going to give you an easier way to get it. Because Jesus had to do something to hold that title, the cross. Jesus had to go through being crucified to hold on to that title. And here the devil is offering him a quicker and easier way to obtain it. Do you ever get into trouble taking the shortcut? The devil's offering a shortcut to Jesus. We have desires, and those desires are not always evil, sinful, and bad. Man, I have a desire to, to love my family. I have a desire to do well in our community. I have a desire. Fill in some of those blanks. Those are probably decent desires. But is the temptation to shortcut, temptation to the phrase, sell your soul to get what you want. So recognize the desires and recognize the temptation to push God out of the picture and obtain it on your own or through another way that God would say, that's not my way, that's not my plan. We have a lot of desires, many of them good, many of them God-given. The devil's job is to pervert those, those, those desires and those wants, even those needs, and says, yes, here's what you want. I'm gonna give you a quicker and easier way to get them, and it doesn't require you going through God. That's what he's trying to do. Every single one of those temptations, it comes from our own desires. That's where it begins. When we are tempted, it begins there. It starts with our own desires. So there's your first category that we see out of Matthew chapter four. All of those temptations, they come out of our own human desires. Recognize those, be aware of those, be ready for those because the devil is a schemer and he's a tempter as he's talked about here. So let's talk about that middle section. What do we do when we actually are tempted? Jesus, well, I love this because we get such great response from Jesus. We have the ifs from the devil. We have the it's from Jesus. And from the very beginning, when you're tempted, look for a way out. 
Look for a way out. I'm going to give you an unbelievably obvious statement through this entire story of Jesus being tempted and through his entire life, if you keep reading through the Gospels, Jesus would have been tempted multiple, multiple times, just like you and I. Hebrews even says that, that Jesus was tempted. Jesus dealt with everything that we've dealt with. And you ready for the most obvious statement of the century? Jesus never gave in. Do you know that? Out of everything that Jesus was tempted with, not just in Matthew 4, but in his entire life, out of everything that Jesus was tempted with, he never gave in. Obvious? Here's why it's significant. Because often we don't feel like we can. We often feel like, well, Jesus, perfect, son of God, of course, he can say no to all of those things. He can, he can fight through temptation, but that choice, that power lives in us as well. For every time you are tempted, you are also given a choice. Every single time. Every time. And often, here's where the lies of the devil come in. Oftentimes we feel boxed in or cornered. When we're tempted, we're like, ah, I can't say no to that. It's easier. I, I, I'm in a spot now where I just have to. I can't quit. I can't stop. We use those all-inclusive words, don't we? And we feel like we have no other choice. And Jesus breaks that mold saying, no, you do have a choice. And it is so difficult. But you do have a choice. When you are tempted in the moment, look for a way out. In my opinion, one of the greatest promises we get, especially in regards to this, is out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you're looking for a verse to memorize and this one's not on your list, add it to your list. Here it is. No temptation has overtaken you, has overtaken us, what is common to us all, what is common to mankind. That first part says everybody is tempted in many different ways, but it is common. Which, in other words, says the way that you're tempted isn't unique. That's oftentimes the, the lie that the devil says. Oh, this is just you. Everybody else can deal with this except for you. And he gets you with that. No, 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 no. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. God is, say that. God is what? Faithful. Say it one more time. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Oh, maybe you just needed to hear that this morning. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That choice is difficult. And as difficult as it may be, it is still your choice. Your choice. He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it, so that you can make it through. There is a way out in the midst of your temptation. You might not always see it. You might not always like it, but there's a window. There is a way out. So in the midst of your temptation, look for that way out. Throughout this story specifically, Jesus always had a way out. He never said, you know what, devil? You're right. I don't have another choice. Might have felt like it. I haven't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. That seems like a really good option right now. Hey, you know what? People need to know that I'm the son of God, so what better time than now making sure everybody knows who I am? You mean there's an easier, quicker way to go ahead and be ruler of the entire world? Well, that sounds like a good option. Nowhere does Jesus say, you're right, I don't have another choice. You always have a way out. When you're tempted, look for the way out. Have 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in your head and heart the entire time. But what do you do maybe, not just when you're tempted, but how do you start to have those responses? For every if, Jesus had an it, so how do you get to the place where you can do that. Here's what I would say. Before you are tempted, feed your spirit. When you're tempted, look for a way out. But before you're ever tempted, here's some of those spiritual habits to begin to put in place. Before you're ever tempted, feed your spirit. 
This makes sense, right? Whatever you feed will grow, will live. Whatever you starve, what's going to happen? It's going to die. Whatever you feed is going to grow. Whatever you starve is going to die. So let me ask you, what are you feeding and what are you starving in your life? Spiritually speaking, what are you feeding? What are you starving? Oftentimes we're shocked when we're tempted. And if I were to sit down one-on-one and we talk through some things, I think you would be amazed at, wow, I'm actually starving my spirit. No wonder this is so hard. For every if that the devil gave, Jesus fired truth and scripture right back at him. Even when the devil, the devil fired scripture, Jesus said, yeah, but it also says this. Feed your spirit and watch it grow. That's how you get strong in your faith. That's how you get strong in this ability to endure and overcome temptation. It doesn't just happen when you say, Jesus, I'm following you. He moves in. He gives you power that we don't have without him. But you've got to continue to feed your spirit instead of starving it. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this. Many of you have probably heard this before. It's probably nothing new. I've hidden your word in my heart. Oh, just to have, just because it's like the churchy thing to do, to memorize scripture and to have it always in my heart and my head. No, I've hidden your word in my heart so that, in other words, because, God, I want to make it through so that I might not sin against you. The reason it's so big on the screen is because I don't want you to miss it. There's your response to life right there. Take a picture of it, write it down, add it to your to-do list with your other school supplies stuff. God, I've got to put your word in my heart so that in every moment, I'm constantly leaning on you so that I might not sin. I'm gonna be tempted constantly. There's not much we can do about that. But remember, after every temptation, we have a choice. Do we give in or do we not? Do we allow us to, as James says, drag us away or do we endure it? If you want to truly, and and I mean truly here, and let me just say this, and this isn't gonna sit very well for some of you. There is a big difference between Christianity, calling yourself a Christian, and being Christ-centered, Psalm 119.11 is talking about being Christ-centered. Where it's, I've got the word of God in my heart so that I can have these it statements for every if that the devil throws at me. So when you are tempted, look for a way out. But before you are ever tempted, feed your spirit. It's not just a pastor thing to do to tell you to read your Bible. It's because I know what happens when you read your Bible. When you feed your spirit, your spirit grows. It's why I tell you to be here as often as you can on a Sunday, not just because attendance looks good. I'll be honest, I could care less about attendance. It is nice to preach to more than one or two people, but if that's what God's called me to do, so be it. I've always got my Facebook people. (laughs) No, I want you here. I want you watching online because I know what happens when you're in this environment. It feeds your spirit. Let me just ask this. Do you really think you can make it through a whole week of temptation without starting your week here? Do you have other people in your life? It's not just Sunday church. It's the people in your life that continue to walk with you. We have great ministries for kids and students, adults alike, for that reason. So we don't go through this life alone, dealing and fighting through these temptations by ourselves. That we do it together. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery incredible ministry of our church that focuses on doing just this for every hurt, habit, and hang-up. Do you have a hurt, habit, and hang-up? Apparently me. I'll see you on Tuesdays, me and you. There you go. Do you have a hurt or a habit or a hang-up? Yes. 
Celebrate recovery. Church, Bible studies are not for people that don't need it. It's for people that desperately need Jesus and other people so that we can do exactly what James 1 encourages us to do, so that we can endure this thing called life. And we don't have to do it together. We don't have to do it alone. We do it together. So find one of those areas. Be in a group. Be in a Bible study. Start reading your Bible on your own. Be at church as often as you can. Get your kids involved with church as best as they can. Be at Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday night. If Tuesday night doesn't work, show up on Monday night at First Life. If Monday night doesn't work, be at a step study on Sunday afternoon. If that doesn't work, I can show you other Celebrate Recoveries at other churches that meet every single night of the week. You're out of excuses. Find a place so that you can be around people so you can endure. You cannot make it through this thing on your own. When you're tempted, look for a way out. Before you are ever tempted, feed your spirit. Now, let's talk about that third category. What do you do when you strike out? What do you do when I was tempted and I totally gave into it? Let me say this and then I'll explain it. Your decisions, the choices you make, are separate from his love for you. Patrick and I were actually talking through uh, the song that we're gonna sing here in just a little bit, and he actually said that phrase. And man, it stuck with me, and it hit me right between the eyes. That our decisions are separate from the love that he has for you. My middle son, Cole, he played t-ball this last season, and I'm gonna say played very, very loosely. (laughs) Uh, We signed him up, and he went a couple times, and then that was about it. (laughs) Wasn't his thing, that's okay. But as a dad, um, I'm watching you know, on the other side of the fence and he's learning the whole thing, right? I mean, he, he's never done this before. He got some of the, the t-ball stuff for his birthday. So I'm in the backyard teaching him and showing him. It was a great time. And then he gets into some of the practice slash game slash scrimmages, whatever they call it at that age. And he gets up to the plate and swings and misses. And, and as the dad over behind the fence, I'm like, that's okay. What is it, dad? Keep your eye on the ball yes keep your eye on the ball you got this and he steps up again and he swings and he misses hey that's okay son you got this stick with it eye on the ball remember elbow keep it level swings again misses now in t-ball it's not so much like three strikes and you're out it's like 18 strikes and then let's let somebody else go (laughs) it's a little bit different the whole time you got this you got this you got this never once did I say that's it you're done forget it Turn in your glove, turn in your bat, put your helmet off. I don't have anything to do with you. What kind of father would do that? Oh, but we feel like that's what God does to us, doesn't he? Oh, I struck out. Oh, I messed up again. Oh, I just cannot seem to get past this one thing. God must want to have nothing to do with me. Please know, every time you strike out, your dad, your heavenly father is running to you saying, that's okay, I'm still here. I've still got you. Let's try again next time. Your decisions are separate from his love from you. You overcoming temptation doesn't make him love you more. It shows that Christ-centered life that I was talking about. I'm not saying, well, if that's the case, then I can just do whatever I want. No, 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 it's not the way it works. (laughs) But every time you strike out, he's right there with you. So I'd say swing away. Do your best. But don't fall into the trap of guilt and shame when you miss. Let me end with this. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. Some of you might just need to close your eyes and listen to this instead of read it on the screen. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, 
slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Did you catch the gravity of what was just stated there? He does not accuse. He does not hold it against you. He does not repay you for what you deserve. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. Oh, hold on to that hope. Yes, blessed are those who endure temptation. But great are those that recognize the greatness of their sin. Those that have been forgiven much, love much. Recognize the greatness of what God has done for you. How great our sin is means that his love had to have been even greater to overcome all that, which he has. I want to give you an opportunity in a moment that I dare not pass up. If you'll close your eyes with me, I want to give you some next steps. It's a heavy subject. It's not a fun topic to talk through, but it is necessary. You might find yourself in several different places this morning. One, let's start at the beginning. Jesus, I've never asked you into my life. You cannot make it through. You cannot have a hope to make it through without Jesus. It starts there. If you're trying to overcome temptations, if you're trying to overcome addictions, if you're trying to just, quote unquote, lead a good life, you can't do it without him, period. So if you need him in your life, you start there and say, Jesus, man, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck. I feel like I've done nothing but strike out. Fine, so be it, that's why you need him. You say, Jesus, I need you in my life, and you start right here and right now. You don't have to have all the answers, you don't have to fix everything, you don't have to get, get your life in order before he moves in. Actually, he does a better job when you let him move in first. So maybe you start there. Maybe you started there, but that next step for you is, man, I've got those temptations, man, I'm struggling with. Welcome to the club. We're all there. Would you just reach out to Jesus and Jesus, man, I just need you. I need you to help me. I don't see how I'm able to get past these things in my life right now. And let him speak to your heart. He's gonna help. He's gonna point you to someone or something to help. Maybe it is a CR, a Celebrate Recovery type program. Maybe it's just a person you need to confide in so you're not doing it alone. Maybe it's feeding some things and beginning to starve some other things in your life. Let me give you one last opportunity. You never arrive. I humbly stand on this stage by no means perfect. I have my struggles like you have your struggles. But for some of you, you're in a place where you can actually help other people. You can lead other people through this life. Don't disqualify yourself from leading others and helping others based on your own struggles. We all have them. So maybe you're in a place that you can say, man, let me help other people along the way. I can be a group leader. I can volunteer with kids or students. I can welcome people as they come on campus and a smile you never know what could do in another person's life. Jesus, we come before you a mess. Wholeheartedly, we are a mess. But God, that's why you love us, because we need you. So God, yes, help us overcome our temptations. Help us look for those way out, those, 
those ways out. Help us to feed things and starve other things so that our spirit grows in us and we're better able to endure temptations. But God, may we never, ever believe the lie that we are too sinful for you. May we never give in to the guilt and the shame that gets us stuck in a rut. May we always run to you because you started running first. Wherever we're at this morning, we recognize one fact. You are good. You constantly chase after us. In Jesus' name, amen.